Jackson. She can't even see that bitch. Fuck it. What are your favorite moments from the series? When Kelly was running out of Coachella. You said Beyonce. <laughs> getting tased and then and then peed on herself and said, remember me different. The scene you're hearing is from HBO's Insecure. In one particularly hilarious episode in which Issa and her crew go to Baychella. That is Beyonce's Coachella. They pop a molly and things go all the way left. I'm like, yo, this is this is actually hilarious. I piss myself. Don't look at me. Taryn Finley is the Black Voices editor and a senior culture reporter at HuffPost. Rarely do we see just like Black women like off recreational drugs and TV just having fun. It's always like a crack story and it's like, no, everything ain't got to be Holiday Heart. Love <laughs> Holiday Heart though. Shout out Robert Townsend. Insecure, a show that's given us a lot of laughs, is ending on December 26th. When I talked to Taryn, this scene she described stuck with me because it captures so much of what people love about the show. From the relatable storylines and characters to the way the show looks and sounds. For five years, Insecure has made us laugh, cry, yell at the TV, and argue with strangers on Twitter. But it's also bigger than that. It's a show that portrayed young Black people as more than a stereotype. And it signaled to Hollywood that creators can keep their authenticity and also be successful. So today, a look back on what made Insecure the cultural sensation that it is. Welcome to Pop Culture. I'm Bridget Armstrong. You don't have to be an avid watcher of Insecure to recognize the show's cultural reach. All you have to do is log on to Twitter on a Sunday or Monday during the 10 weeks that the show airs or happen to be in the beauty salon after one of Issa's fallout with Lawrence or Daniel or Nathan. Insecure was not the first show to center young Black people trying to figure it out. But it is groundbreaking in the way it tells those stories and the way the audience responds. The show's been nominated for several awards and won a Peabody and an Emmy. And the success of Insecure seems to have signaled to Hollywood execs that they should be paying a lot more attention to young black creators. You know what that is? It's gross. You're a big girl. Got them big girl pants. Insecure's success wasn't an unintentional surprise. From the way the characters are written to the universe the show's created around itself, the after-show wind-downs, the podcast, the playlist, everything Insecure does is designed to be true to its audience while telling stories a lot of people can relate to. And it's clearly paid off. Just a heads up to listeners, there will be some sexual language and some references to sex in this episode. Now, here I am writing violent rap lyrics in my bedroom. Bitch, use a liar. I'll set your face on fire. I can give a f before Insecure, the show's creator and star, Issa Rae, started out with a YouTube series, The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. It's been my secret way of coping with stress since the sixth grade. It gets me through my job, my relationships, and my life. It's odd, but what can I say? I'm awkward. I remember watching this with my roommate in college. This bit of Issa rapping to herself would also end up in Insecure years later. But at the time, there was nothing like this on TV. A funny, cringeworthy show that centered a Black woman with a regular job and regular clothes being weird. It was only 10 years ago, but there weren't very many shows that centered Black people at all. Back in 2011, only 5% of lead actors on broadcast shows were people of color. 
And for context, it was 24% in 2018. So when Insecure premiered in 2016, the show already had a built-in fan base from the Awkward Black Girl series and a lot of interest from people who wanted to see parts of themselves reflected on TV. With Insecure's debut, Issa Rae became the first Black woman to create and star in her own premium cable show. It just felt like such a long time coming. I think myself and so many other folks who had followed Issa Rae from, you know, her awkward Black girl days, I think we knew the specialness in, in the weight that the moment held. And we were like, it's about damn time. Insecure, having very real and nuanced portrayals of specifically Black womanhood and Black friendship. And it's really elevated in a cinematically beautiful way on HBO. It just felt like the moment. It felt very special and it felt like something that would carry us not only in sense of entertainment, but also in a way of image activism, like within Hollywood. And I think it's really important and powerful to see yourself and, and to see these depictions, especially of Black women just doing regular everyday stuff and, you know, being loved and making mistakes and being flawed and learning. And so it just out the gate, I think myself and so many other folks who had followed Ray and her career, we, we knew how special this was. When it was announced that the fifth season of Insecure would be the last, Taryn and her colleagues at HuffPost knew they wanted to give it a big send-off. They worked for months on a massive project about the show. And for it, they talked to pretty much everyone involved with Insecure. Let's talk to as many people as we can who were involved in Insecure and, you know, talk to them about not only what the show meant to them, but how their life changed because of that. Insecure changed the lives of the people working on the show. And in a lot of ways, it changed the TV landscape. But to truly understand that, we have to go back, way back to 2016. Rihanna was still making music. We hadn't yet completely been disappointed by Game of Thrones. And there wasn't a lot of variety when it came to portrayals of Black people on television. TV has raised me in so many ways. And I remember seeing so many depictions of like specific tropes of Black women on TV. You had the scandal, how to get away with murder, like these very like strong, empowered, super like high functioning professional, but also like low key, like going through it <laughs> on television. And you also had a lot of reality TV and, you know, no shade to reality TV, but a lot of times our depictions of Black women were being dominated by reality TV. And not to like get shamey or anything because I, I love reality TV, like Flavor Love was my ish. Love and hip hop is still my little guilty pleasure. <laughs> but at the same time, these aren't nuanced depictions, the nuanced depictions that we deserve. These aren't the nuanced depictions that we got watching Girlfriends and Living Single when there was like this really big Black TV boom in the 90s and early 2000s. So we had a drought <laughs> to, to, to keep it frank. You know, I don't think I really realized or recognized 
how starved I was or others who looked like me were for um, shows like Insecure until it actually happened, which is a damn shame. In the time since Insecure premiered, some things have changed. Of course, TV still has a major blind spot when it comes to telling stories centered around people of color and making sure writers' rooms and exec tables reflect the country's diversity. But a regular report on diversity in Hollywood put out by UCLA found that the shows that resonated with audiences the most last year were those with racially diverse casts. Another study found that representation of Black actors has increased a lot since the pandemic. Now, some of this is a result of the diversity pledges made during the Black Lives Matter protests last year after the murder of George Floyd. And some of it is because of the decades of criticism of Hollywood's perpetual whiteness. But I do think some of it has to do with the success of Insecure and shows like it. It's contagious, right? Seeing how Issa kind of created her own formula. I know she stands on so many shoulders of, you know, giants in television who paved the way for Black folks. But the way that she really carved out this lane and created a a superhighway, I think that we've seen a lot of other creatives really start to dominate and tell their stories. There's this conversation that happened recently about the television show Harlem. Harlem is a new show from Amazon Prime. The creator of the show, Tracy Oliver, actually worked on the Awkward Black Girl series with Issa Rae. Harlem is about a friendship group of four Black millennial women living in the New York neighborhood. The number of actual dateable men is bleak. In Harlem, educated Black women are forced to navigate a playing field in which men have significantly more dating options. So it's not that we're desperate or thirsty. To me, the show is a lot more sex in the city than it is insecure. But Taryn is referring to a debate about Harlem that happened on Twitter a few weeks ago. There was this conversation of, okay, how many stories of Black womenhood friendships do we need? And it's like, we need all of them. We literally need all of them. And and it's examples of those shows that came after Insecure, those shows that came up alongside Insecure that proved time and time again, like, yeah, we need this. And that is not only true from an audience perspective, but also from a Hollywood exec perspective. They're seeing the power, especially that Black women's voices have when it comes to what we want to tune into, what other people want to tune into. It's not just us tuning into our stories. And we're really seeing folks who do have power and are at the top of a lot of these production companies understand like, okay, these voices need to be heard as well. And it's a damn shame that they haven't been heard for so long. So let's pick up the slack. Let's make sure that we have uh, Quinta Brunson in Abbott Elementary. Oh, Nina, excellent sentence structure. Let's see, Uh, Brittany, my favorite movie is American Gangster and my favorite character is Frank Lucas. Okay, that is a great sentence. And I will be having a third talk with your mom about what you're watching at home. Let's make sure that we have run the world. I'm just saying, I want my life rom-com to be about the guy who follows you around the world, not the cryo center that stores a sperm. Can you keep the sperm talk down? Because we have an audience. No, ain't nobody thinking about them. Sperm! Make sure that we have, you know, a bigger on BET. Thanks to them evil producers on that show called Basketball Exes. 
Thank you for the real estate blessings you bestow upon Veronica, despite her constant fornication. All of these things that we're starting to see are very impactful. And I know that she's like super humble and likes to downplay this a bit sometimes, but no, like Issa Rae, Prentice Penny, like what they did with Insecure really busted down so many doors for people to be able to actually have these projects greenlit. Insecure is important, but we don't want to lose sight of the fact that it's hilarious. And that was evident from the first episode. Have you ever tried like the raw meat? Not that raw meat, but <laughs> you know like the food. <laughs> That's when we first got a glimpse into Issa's friendship with Molly, played by Yvonne Origi. It's like it doesn't matter what I do, Issa. If I'm into them, then I'm too smothering. If I take my time and try to give them space, oh, I didn't think you were into me. Fine. Sex right away. Lose interest. Wait to have sex. Lose interest. If I don't have sex at all, no. I'm a grown-ass woman. I did not sign up for that bull. Molly confides in Issa about her relationship problems, as best friends often do. And Issa gives Molly a diagnosis. I think your pussy's broken. What? No, I read about it. It's like pussy's breaking everywhere. I think your pussy's sad. It's had enough. And if it could talk, it would make that sad Mark Simpson groan. Hmm. Yes, that's it. That's your pussy. <laughs> You're an and then later, Issa performs an impromptu rap about it all at an open mic night. Use like a dish rag, dumped with a hashtag. I blame it on the pussy. That shit must be bad. Broken pussy. Broken pussy. Maybe it's dry as hell. Maybe it really smells. Broken pussy. Oh my god, she's talking about me. Maybe it's really rough. Maybe it's had enough. Broken pussy. Molly is this beautiful, successful attorney, but when it comes to dating, she just cannot get it right. And she only has her goofball friend Issa to turn to. Molly's a character that a lot of women identify with. She's done everything to control these other parts of her life, and it's paid off, except in dating. Insecure is really good at taking these uncomfortable, even maybe depressing situations and making them hilarious and still relatable. I think because these are real life situations that you see yourself in, that you have experienced or your friends have experienced. And a big reason for that is because Issa and other insecure writers have been open about like, yeah, you know, we bring these stories to the writer's room. And we talk about it. We talk about our experiences and the issues that we're going through. And it doesn't feel like it's trying hard because it's real. These are actual conversations where, you know, talking about dating and how it may feel a little one-sided when it comes to who forgives who, whether a Black man cheats or a Black woman cheats. We're talking about falling out and not seeing eye to eye with our best friends and kind of the grieving process that happens there. We're talking about being unhappy at our jobs and trying to, to pivot and, you know, everything in between. And so Insecure taps into that. Insecure does a great job of being real without necessarily bringing the real world into the show. It doesn't often address electoral politics or draw on actual news events, which has been refreshing at times 
because out here in the real world, life hasn't really been easy these past five years. The Trump presidency, police brutality in the Black Lives Matter protests, climate change, the pandemic. In a lot of ways, Insecure has been a refuge from all of the awful things actually happening in the world. I think my favorite, favorite Insecure episode has to be Loki Happy from season four. First date, huh? Well, this young man is doing it right. I like that. I tell my son all the time, I say, son, start the way you want to finish. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I appreciate that, but it's not, it's not our first date. Oh, so y'all got that real young black love. Sorry, we, we wanted a quiet ride. That's right. You just don't encourage So are y'all married? No. <laughs> well, let me tell you one thing. Marriage is the best thing I've ever done. Trust me, you better go on and lock that down if that's the one you love. Oh, um, you know, I tried. Yeah, I bought a ring. The light's about to change. Do it now, nigga. Oh, oh, please. Change it now, ma'am. You should face forward, please. It was just so, it was such a feel-good episode. And I remember that coming at a really important time because the unrest and protests in the streets, that was happening. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Amal Arbery, like, we were all in the streets protesting, like tensions were so high, like it felt like we needed a reprieve. That episode came at the exact moment where like we desperately needed that joy. That combination of relatability and joy also makes Insecure really fun to talk about. When I say this, I don't mean it as an insult, but Insecure is generally a 30 minute show in which not much happens. Don't get me wrong, there are fallouts, misunderstandings, supportive moments, sex, dates, awkward encounters, you know, all the stuff real life is made up of. But it's not an action-packed show like Power or one of its other contemporaries, Empire. But you wouldn't know that by logging into Twitter after an episode. Insecure has this way of sparking passionate conversations and debates that go on and on and on. I don't think I realized it until like right after the back shots heard around the world. I think that is when I realized like, damn, everybody is talking about this. The first season of the show mostly focused on the unraveling of Issa's relationship with her longtime boyfriend, Lawrence, played by Jay Ellis. Issa found herself in the arms of another love interest, Daniel. Shout out to Team Daniel. She tells Lawrence, heartbreak ensues, and the audience is left to wonder if the two will end up back together. That last scene where you you think that Issa is about to pull up to the apartment and Lawrence is about to be there. They about to get it back together. It's like, nah, he left you with one pillow and his Best Buy shirt. And he over there with Bank Teller Bay, Tasha, getting it in. And it's like, uh, like gut-wrenching, like, I felt, I felt hurt. I'm like, dang, did I, like, did that happen to me? And Twitter went wild. People talked about that finale and that scene in particular until the second season premiered the next year. I think that that moment right there specifically really did expand at least my view of what this conversation around this show would be on a larger scale. But there are so many of these moments, these turning points. 
the conversations that are sparking from, you know, what it looks like to healthily co-parent and trying to figure out like, all right, am I doing this right? You know, I, I think it does a good job of being in conversation. It is hilarious. It's relatable. You can't not talk about it because in talking about it, you're also opening up a little door into your own life with other fans of the show. So it becomes this communal experience. Insecure is what it is because we have this communal watching experience, bonding experience where we're learning and with each other and growing with each other and talking about these same issues that these characters are having on the show which makes us as individuals grow ourselves. I found this season to be really satisfying in the sense that we get to see the results of the growth that these characters have been working on throughout the show. What's been your favorite moments from season five? This season felt like everybody getting their together. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. We saw Issa reckoning with, you know, a little bit more self-awareness. Last year was a lot for me. And now I feel like I'm just always waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm scared to get my hopes up. And I, I know I've been afraid to admit it because I don't want to look stupid, but I don't want to just be friends with you. Perhaps the character who's grown the most this season is Molly. Molly is one of the most loved, but really hated characters on the show. And part of that is because she hasn't always been a very supportive friend to Issa. Molly is understanding that it's okay to not be in control of everything, not be as hard on herself and on others, and that it's okay to be a bit more fluid. My first impression of Hayward was that y'all didn't really rock with me. Hmm. Accurate. <laughs> hey, hey guys, have you ever thought about using DocuSign? <laughs> My last law firm had a milk steamer. <laughs> Bitch, you don't take yourself down to Starbucks like the rest of us. Was that that bad? Yes. yes. <laughs> but we love you now. <laughs> Even with Lawrence. Child. <laughs> because I really haven't been a fan of Lawrence either. I was an asshole. They both had a learning curve. And even now, I know you've given up a lot. And I don't want you to be miserable. I'm not. And I don't, I don't blame you for anything. Because okay. I want you to be happy. I really do. And you know, I, um, I want the same for you, too. But even in this season, seeing how he taken on the responsibility of being a co-parent. It's just such a beautiful thing. Prentice Penny said at the top of the season that the through line here is, are we going to be okay? And as we grapple with COVID, as we grapple with consistent pressures from jobs, racial injustice and friendships, love, like just in our own personal lives, like I know I keep bringing it back to us, but like it really does feel like this is a letter to us of, okay, we are going to be okay. <laughs> Everything about this final season feels intentional. To me, it's satisfying in a way that a lot of series finales are not. Shows where people of color make up a large portion of the cast are more likely to be canceled before the second season. 
And even some shows that were really popular and were part of the 90s, early 2000s black TV heyday didn't get a real swing at a finale. Living Single fell apart in the last season. The actors say the network stopped supporting the show, and it seems evident. And Girlfriends, you know the show that helped launch Tracy Ellis Ross's career? It was a victim of the 2007 writer's strike. They didn't even get a real last episode. The fact that that is is a thing right there, let's just go ahead and talk about how special that is and how that weight was literally on all of them and they carried it out and executed it so beautifully. You can tell that they came together, the creators, the cast all came together and said, look, Black shows do not usually get a chance to land the plane on their own terms. We've been talking a lot about the show's content and how it's groundbreaking in its own way, but also the approach they take to making the show, bringing in new talent, bringing in new voices, new writers, new directors, letting the actors direct, and a lot of these people who are very early in their career. But the show has consistently done that. How do you think that's contributed to the show's success, that they are continually willing to take chances on people? Oh, my God. I think it's been everything. It's it's really been everything for the show's success. A big reason why we created a project on HuffPost to really bid Insecure adieu and give it its flowers in this final season is because of just that, the people that it's put on. It, it's really been a boon for up-and-coming talent. I interviewed Tristan J. Winger right before the premiere of this season. And he told me that he dreamt to be on television by the time that he was 30. And Tristan is the actor who plays Thug Yoda. Thug Yoda, yes. Hey, something up? I ain't seen your girl in a minute. Y'all good? Sleepy for another bitch? What? No, no. Talk to me, blood. Me and Nala was just about to go watch the Bear Bears. Care Bears, Daddy. Ah, 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 ah. We don't use no C words, sweetheart. It's a bloodhouse. His first day on set for Insecure was the day before his 30th birthday. Wow. Playing Thug Yoda. Exactly. So it's stories like that. It's, you know, opportunities where we're seeing Natasha Rothwell, a powerhouse, like just an amazing voice. Oh, I've always believed in you, love. You've got that American entrepreneurial spirit. What are you doing? Um, my new beau, Darnell, is showing me Los Angeles. I faked an accent when we met, and now I have to commit. Don't make it weird. Darnell, darling! Jay Ellis being able to get behind the camera and direct the episode. Jay Ellis, who plays Lawrence, directed an episode where Molly goes on vacation to Mexico with her new boo, Andrew, and his brother and his wife. And while they're all chilling at the pool, a white hotel worker gives Molly a hard time when she asks for a towel. Andrew and his brother are Asian, and when Molly calls the exchange racist, Andrew's brother pushes back. Hey, just to ask, do you really think it was not race? Victor, don't be dumb. You know it was. I mean, what exactly are you saying? Okay, well, devil's advocate. What if it wasn't? Yes, she really was just doing her job. Her boss could go off on her for not checking. Doesn't excuse it, but nice try. Uh, you don't know for sure, so you could be making your life harder by assuming. Victor, be on about. Hey guys, still here, so can we please speak English? Oh no. Fine, you know, I get it. It's a thing. Or maybe you don't get it at all. You don't think I experience racism? I do, and it sucks. 
but how I react to it is my choice. You don't have to give it so much power. Wow. I believe that was the only episode up until that part that wasn't shot in L.A. But being able to offer that and give that chance is something that Hollywood needs to follow suit on because clearly we're going to rise to the occasion every time. In my conversation with Taryn, she called Insecure a university. That's because so many of the people who worked on the show said it was their first big break into acting, writing, directing, whatever. And that's a big deal because so many of these people are people of color. And so now that the show is ending, they're graduating into a Hollywood that desperately needs their perspectives. So many people are literally eating off of the platform that Insecure created. One example especially sticks out in my mind right now is Sarita Singleton, who started as a PA on Insecure set season one. As we're about to close season five, she is now the showrunner for Rap Shit, which is Issa's upcoming show, which will also be on HBO. The fact that she was able to get that opportunity, the fact that Issa took her under her wing and created this environment where she was able to shadow princess, she was able to really learn the ropes and understand what it takes to learn a show and still be so early in her career is amazing. I guarantee you, Insecure, so many of those people who work especially behind the scenes, we're going to see so many more showrunners come out of this class of brilliant creatives. I asked Taryn what she thinks the legacy of Insecure will be, and we both agree. It's a little early to tell if the show will live on in syndication forever or be remembered as the show that helped kick off a Black TV renaissance or just become that little show Issa Rae did really early in her career. But Taryn does know one thing. If a story like Issa's and like the creators of Insecure were more visible when I was younger, I probably would have grown up wanting to create TV. So I think that, you know, that old adage of if you can't see it, you can't be. I think a lot more Black kids will see themselves wanting to create shows like Insecure. So many Black kids will see themselves and and, and want to follow in the footsteps of creating their own lane and not waiting for a yes from a production company or corporation. How do you think Insecure has changed Hollywood? I think Hollywood is awakening to the importance of telling these stories and the importance of making sure that you have not only a set in writer's room and execs that are diverse, but their voices feel like they belong and are welcome and are not othered. I think that's still very much a slow process, but I do think Insecure is waking a lot of these execs up because we want to see more Insecures. We want to see more of these stories from other communities. We want to see the multiplicities of people of color on screen. sad that Insecure is going off. I've had kind of a love-hate relationship with the show. 
Of course, the show is funny and written well, but I've been frustrated with the debates it sparked on Twitter. Seriously, that AKA debate earlier this year was terrible and triggered by the characters and storylines. But for 10 weeks every year, it felt like I had a million people in a group chat feeling the feels with me. To console myself, I'm left with something Taryn said in our interview. Insecure is the perfect example of what communal dreaming is and could be. I'm excited to see what new dreams might emerge from Insecure's effect and the conversations we'll have about it all. And that's it for us today. I'm Bridget Armstrong, host and senior producer of the show. And I work with a superstar team every week. The show's producer is Alicia Key. Andrew Calloway is our senior engineer. Our director of audio is Graylin Brashear. Thanks to Kira Long for your help this week, and big thanks to Taryn Finley for talking to me. We'll have a link to the insecure story she contributed to in the show notes. Before we go, I just want to acknowledge the passing of Bell Hooks. The feminist writer, activist, and scholar died at the age of 69 last week. Her first major book about feminism, Ain't I a Woman, was published in 1981. And she continued to write, criticize, and tell the truth about her experience and the experiences of other marginalized women for decades after. That's one of the things I loved about Bell Hooks, her ability to evolve and inspire generations of Black feminists. All you had to do was log into Tumblr a few years ago or even Twitter today to see that impact. Bell Hooks, you will be missed. We'll be back next week with a new episode. It's the last one of the year, so be sure to tune in. And in the meantime, please rate, subscribe, and tell a friend.